touch the sky. I would do anything to learn to fly. You are my goal. Oh, what I am longing for. I am yours forever. Yours. You are my goal. You're all I'm aiming for. You are my only goal. My purpose, my one choice. Trusting in you is all I want to do. My trust is in you. I'm longing to be close to you, close to you, close to you, close to you. Longing to be close to you, close to you.
trusting in you is all I want to do. My trust is in you. I'm longing to be close to you, close to you, close to you, close to you. Longing to be close to you, close to you, close to you, close to you. Longing to be close to you, close to you. Thank you, Swami. It's beautiful. Yeah. But here we are. We've got a movie, and um, this is this is a, we just love this movie. <laughs> Do we mention how Tom Hanks didn't like it? <laughs> Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, a long time ago, wasn't it? This movie, and uh, it's so many great themes in it, just with collaboration and trust is a big one, following inspiration, um, you know, feeling dead in the world and being able to be brought out of that in any means possible. It's amazing what the spirit can use in form. And we'll see that in this movie. Um, yeah, and then taking a leap of faith and then there's holy relationship and marriage. There's a lot of different themes in it. So the movie is called Joe versus the Volcano. So. Yeah, that's a good example. You know, the, in the Course in Miracles, Jesus says you cannot judge your advances from your retreats, uh, that, that this world is backwards and upside down. So here's uh, Tom Hanks saying, well, he, he does not consider uh, this uh, one of his best movies. It actually would be the, um, his worst, among his worst movies. And yet, metaphysically speaking, see, that's a, Tom is helping us prove that you can't judge your successes from your failures. What he judges is his ultimate failure of a movie is actually a spectacular teaching device for awakening the whole universe. So that's just a good reminder. Also, uh, we touched on some pretty deep things. There's a, a lot of metaphors in the Course. The Course in Miracles is a book. And let me tell you, in heaven there are no books. Uh, you don't read in heaven. There's no eyeballs in heaven. And uh, a lot of people argue about the Course, you know, they pound people over the head with it and say, this, I finally found the truth. No. The Course is a book. The Course is not the truth. It's, the Course itself says truth cannot be described or explained, but only experienced. So don't get too bent out of shape about this book. And the other thing about this book, and maybe I'll use that as a, a brief lead into this movie, is that, that everything that the Course talks about, the Course is like a ladder of metaphors and then once you climb seemingly this, in consciousness, this matter of metaphors, ladder of metaphors, the whole ladder falls away, and, and there, it never was. So that's how you forgive your brother, your sister for what never happened, is because when you're working with the Course, you're just working with a tool that will help you go higher and higher in consciousness to the place of the real world or the happy dream. The pro and, and what happens is that when you're working with the Course, the temptation of the Course is to take anything in it literally. Uh, I had students years ago who 
I read, reread this passage, no one can be angry at a fact, and they were all bent out of shape, and they were like, what is a fact then? What is a fact? And I said, God is a fact, and Christ is a fact, and no one can be angry at a fact. And they're like, oh, because they're like, God and Christ, well, yeah, God and Christ aren't have nothing to do, they're, they're beyond this world, they're abstract divine love and light, that's what a fact is. Our friend Calico, uh, who's watching, she uh, wrote me an email after our session this morning, and I think it's good to talk about this just briefly because this, when people start looking at A Course in Miracles and pulling out a passage or something that Jesus says, like one of the metaphors in it, and take it as literal, that's dangerous because uh, there's nothing literal about perception. Uh, perception is is a projection. Projection makes perception. There's absolutely nothing literal. And she wrote uh, a question to me after the first session. She said, David, okay, the question about the horse with the sarcoid and nook saying, after the mind is healed, the body must follow. I understand exactly what you are saying, and nook is not talking metaphor as you said. She is talking literally. This did, this did not hook me quite as much as it has in the past. I'm really just attempting to be at peace with this and have no hooks when I hear this issue with Nook. And when I do, I feel wrong. For if Nook is right, this form I find myself in must be wrong. Can you offer any assistance for me? Thanks. And what I wrote back to her was, uh, Hi Calico, form cannot be wrong or right, sick or healed. The purpose for the body, world, cosmos is either wrong-minded or right-minded, and this purpose determines the emotion experience. No thing, body, exists in and of itself, much less be sick or well in right-minded thinking. Joy, love you, David. And what I want, mean by that is that it's not about a person saying something is literal. You know, there is a part in the Course that says uh, what you do comes from what you think, but that presumes a doer. You see? That presumes a body. So he's, he's speaking with a metaphor as if there's a body there. But as we get into quantum, as you get into the depth of A Course in Miracles, you realize that if you try to break the world of perception into into two, two parts of anything, absolutely anything, conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican, man, woman, sick body, well body, dead body, alive body, you're falling into the ego's trap. And Jesus is just speaking as a metaphor what you do comes from what you think, because ultimately there there is no doer. That's the that's what the awakening's all about. That you are mind, holy mind, purely mind. The the problem with with thinking that it's literal that that the body follows the mind is what's wrong? Can anybody point out what's wrong with that statement being literal that the body follows the mind? I'll tell you. Because one aspect of that sentence is real, mind, and one aspect of that sentence is not real, body. How can something literally 
unreal follows something that's real, that's absurd. Uh, and, and this is where I watched this with A Course in Miracles. You know, the, Jesus picked Ken Wapnick uh, out of all the potential teachers to come along, and he was the first. And, and he picked him for a good reason, because Ken taught that there's all these metaphors in A Course in Miracles, where Jesus is speaking as if the separation occurred, and throwing out metaphors left and right, you know, God is incomplete without you. God is not really, literally incomplete. That's ridiculous to think that God is incomplete, but that was a metaphor, like God cares for you, you know, and he's speaking to a mind that believes it's separate from God, so he's trying, he's, he's got a ladder, he's like, hop on the ladder and climb out. But I'll tell you one thing, there's a lot of metaphors, and this is what so much got projected onto Ken. People got angry at Ken, and oh, Ken doesn't understand the Course, and Ken's metaphysics. I think most of Ken's metaphysics were just pristine, and all this stuff gets projected onto him, and even him saying that the Course has metaphors, uh, oh, there was a lot of flack. <laughs> For, for saying such a thing. And then there's authors and teachers that come out, no, Jesus, he literally meant this, and they literally meant that, and, and he literally meant that, that, uh, the body must follow the mind. Well, when you're in the realm of perception, that is the realm of metaphors, and all of that is to help you forget this world, forget this course. <laughs> and come with empty hands unto your God. It's meant to empty the mind of everything. Those metaphors just serve for a, for a point, and then they have to be let go. So let's, let's start to realize, that's why when people get into moralistic arguments about, um, you know, what, what God blesses and what God frowns upon, like the, the Christian church has done this for years, you know, as if, like, um, it seems like from, from all these moralistic teachings that God really likes heterosexuals and he's, that God's pissed at gay people. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous that God is happy with heterosexuals and, and angry at gay people. It's ridiculous that God is angry considering <laughs> God doesn't even know about this world. Then it's hard to picture that God is getting angry because some bodies are doing this with this ones and some bodies are doing that. That's ridiculous. And, and then there's this thing of manifesting that there's, oh, a secret and manifesting and the ones that use the power of their mind to manifest the biggest houses, the most cars, the most beautiful partners and everything, those have favor with God. And then too bad for the rest. You know, that means the majority on the planet are not in favor with God if you go with that way of thinking. So, anyway, we're here to dispel a lot of this ridiculous, uh, in, ridiculous interpretations. And, and so I'm glad you wrote that, uh, Calico, because, you know, how, what could we say if you start to follow the form and you believe that, that you know what a sick body looks like or a well body, that's a metaphor. Yes, Jesus seemed to heal the sick. Jesus seemed to raise the dead. But 
in the end, it was all about resurrection in the mind. I mean, people say, what about those people that Jesus healed? They still got sick and died. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what about all bodies? Jesus' body disappeared. Ramana Maharshi, all the bodies are going to disappear. So let's not get into a big discussion about about the conditions of the body and everything. It's all about the mind. At accepting atonement is in the mind. What I'm saying too is, if you perceive a body as a body, that's sick. That's sick just to see a body as a body. There's a, there is another way of looking upon the world that overlooks the body, overlooks the mind of your brother overlooks private minds and private thoughts. It's so glorious and unified because that's what the happy dream is all about. It's not trying to say which bodies are sick, which bodies are well. It's not even trying to say which bodies are dead or alive. It's, it's so far beyond that. And here's the line I want you to remember. Jesus says, what is the same cannot be different, and what is one cannot have separate parts. Now, how do you apply this? If you give yourself over to the Holy Spirit, you'll see that what is the same cannot be different. The mind is the same, and the mind cannot be different. And if you look at the world, which is the perception of, the ego's perception of separate bodies, what do all those bodies, and all those images, and all those stars, and all those planets have in common? What do all those seeming differences have in common? All those projections are actually not different at all. Because why? Because they're all illusions. Illusions are one. That's why what we're talking about is a metaphor, because if illusions are one, there could be no difference between a sick body and a well body. Jesus says that in the Course. The, the body cannot be sick because it's an image. It's like saying, I have a, a sick spoon. What do you mean your spoon is sick? That's ridiculous. Spoons don't get sick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that's my point. Bodies are just as illusory as spoons. So, why make such a distinction about around these symptoms, or whether they're good symptoms, bad symptoms, what a healed body looks like and everything, they're all the same because they're all illusion. And you might remember that part in the Course where Jesus says, make this year different by making it all the same. He's saying, don't be fooled by thinking there's any real differences in form because all form is illusion and there aren't any distinctions. So as I was saying before with the horse, to perceive a horse as a horse, that's a problem. But to look for a sickness inside the horse, that's double oblivion. You know, you, you're, you're way off if you're looking for the error inside the image. What Jesus is saying is, look with me, look with the Holy Spirit, and you'll no longer see the parts anymore. You'll see the dance. Remember I talked I talk a lot about the dance. The dance is the dance. There are no sick dances and well dances. The dance that I'm talking about is a dance of unified perception, and that's when the mind is healed. 
There is no world apart from the mind. So to perceive differences, problems, issues in the world between people or between theologies or between anything, dead bodies, live bodies, whatever you want to do, they're all misperceptions because the world is the same and the world is in the mind. It has never left the mind that, that thought it up. So this is deep stuff, admittedly, but but I hope this clears this up, and, and I hope Calico that that helps you feel rest and feel at peace uh, by not thinking that somehow you're wrong. Uh, the holy child of God is not wrong. You you are a, a creation of God, and that is is really precious. And this movie is we we love this movie <laughs> because the main character. Uh, is going to go through a, a metaphoric transformation. <laughs> Remember, it's all mine, but it's just a metaphor because we can relate to some of these metaphors. That's why we're showing them. So we think uh, you're going to enjoy this because a lot of the stuff that we talked about this morning, those stages, you're going to see those stages reflected in the main character's journey. And it's really, you'll see, it will seem as if things are being taken away. And all the things that we were reading about this morning, uh, there's even some great reflections of heaven yeah. in this movie. There's some really spectacular reflections of heaven. So buckle your seatbelts, <laughs> hold on to your hat, because linear time, again, is going bye-bye. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. We're here to pop through these old linear questions and linear perceptions and just we're here to sail and soar in God in the in the greatest way possible. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Jeff. Okay, feels good. <laughs> Take her away, roll them. Yeah. <laughs> the man don't say nothing. I know he just keep on rolling. So why don't we pause it there? Okay, that's, that's very symbolic, just the start of this movie. You know, you're in perfect health, your symptoms have nothing to do with anything, and basically the body's going to die, you know, and then there's this thing of a brain cloud, it's just putting, pointing back, there's something blocking there's something that makes you think you're not well. I mean, to be, imagine if you went into a medical doctor, any medical doctor, and basically whatever symptoms you gave and told, the medical doctor said, you're just a hypochondriac. What is a hypochondriac? A hypo hypochondriac who is someone who believes they're sick, but isn't really sick. They're just mentally making up a bunch of problems that aren't really there. So in one sense, you know, he doesn't use the word, but Jesus is kind of like saying to us in A Course in Miracles, you're hypochondriac. You're just making up a bunch of mental problems that, that don't even exist and don't even pay attention to your symptoms because you're in perfect health. Your body's going to pass away. Michael just said that. He just told about Ramana Maharshi. The body is going to pass away. All bodies pass away. Jesus' body passed away. Everybody passes away. 
And yet, he's basically saying, you're a hypochondriac, you've got all these mental issues going on, and that's where your problem is, is, is in the mind. And that's why the whole focus of A Course in Miracles is on the mind. You don't see Jesus really talking about symptoms in this, His Course in Miracles. Symptoms are unreal effects of unreal thoughts. Attack thoughts aren't real and neither are symptoms and neither are bodies. But he's saying you have to give up these attack thoughts in your mind to free yourself from perceiving a distorted world. And so we have to start to first take it in like, wow, have I been a hypochondriac? Have I been making up issues and illnesses where there are none? And using those as reasons, like Joe was, you know, even starting to use his fake issues uh, to justify the way his life was going. And, and that's like, it's just like an old pattern in the mind. So, this is quite an amazing movie, you know, is that you, some of you might be able to identify with that job. You have to walk a crooked road to get in there, and then what's your company make? Rectal probes. Oh yeah, that's important. Go to every day, clock in and spend seven or eight hours making rectal probes. But, you know, that's just the symptom of like, where are you putting your mind's energy? What are you devoting your life to? And, and when you look at jobs, you really have to say, what am I here for? What am I doing this for? What is the purpose? So, now that he's got this great news that he's in perfect health, and all of his symptoms are just part of like a hypochondriac system, watch Joe go. Just like the old days, see Jane run. Watch Joe go now. Watch <laughs> Joe go because he's, he's, freed up from this heaviness of constantly worried about the problem and the symptoms. You really shouldn't be focusing your mind's energy on symptoms. You should bring it back to the mind and where the causation is if you want to be happy. Because that's where the freedom comes. It's freedom in mind. There is no freedom of the body and there is no health of the body. It's a crazy idea. It's mesmerism that would teach you that the body can be healthy. Don't buy all this stuff about organic stuff and all this stuff you hear about eating right and better nutrition. It's lies. All of it's lies. It's all part of a mesmerism to keep you focused on the form and focused on the diet and focused on what's going on in the body, focused on the symptoms and focused on the effects without ever looking at the cause, and the whole Course in Miracles is saying, look at the mind, look at the causation. You're never going to be free from the mesmerism unless you look at the mind. So, the brain cloud, to me, isn't that a great metaphor for the ego? If you're going to talk about the body, a brain cloud, you know, it's something that goes right down the middle and divides the brain and is very dark. You know, that's just a metaphor for the ego in the mind. But problems never in the brain. And I did notice 
too, it's like this, that's, if you were going to try to say something following something, you could say that the body does follow the brain. Because at least they're both perceptual, and, and ultimately nothing really is happening in form, nothing's really following anything, but at least don't say that the body follows the mind, because the mind is real and the body's not. And this is just another opportunity to let go of focusing it all on effects and symptoms. So let's go. Watch Joe run. <laughs> okay, let's pause it there. Let's pause. So, if you'll notice, at the beginning, you know, his job, when he goes through those circumstances of going to the doctor and abruptly leaving his job, that's the period of, what's the first stage? Undoing? He had his entire boring, dark, dismal, linear struggle with the job undone. And then, now, we just saw in the back seat of that limo, that was the period of sorting out. You see, it's not a real sorting out, but it's helping him get in touch with that he can make decisions and, and have to face things. Even in terms of buying clothes, the uh, driver is helping him get clear on what clothes, how to go shopping and everything. So he's, he's going through his sorting out at this point. It's not the eternal versus the temporary, but it is things that he's never thought of before, and and once you go through an initial unplugging from the world, then the next phase is a, is a sorting out, like getting in touch with what you do believe. What are your thoughts? What's going on in your mind? What's happening with your unconscious mind? Becoming more aware. But you first have to unplug from the rat race, from the monotony, from the belief that you're just at the mercy of a world outside of you, you have to first go through the undoing and the unplugging, and then you can see he's rapidly going through a sort with this, uh, this driver. You know, where are you going? What do you need? You know, even with the trip, you know, he's having to, to focus his mind and train his mind a little bit. So that's what I mean by this movie, really. It starts to parallel what we've just talked about this morning, that there's steps and stages to this, but you first have to loosen yourself from what you believe you're stuck in, and then you start facing more decisions and more discernment questions, really. So he's, you know, he already is hinting to us this, who, who I, am I? Isn't that the only question? He tells uh, Meg Ryan on the date, and then this guy, as he's just sitting in the back seat, says, you know, I'm not going to tell you who you are, but he is helping assist him to get in touch with what he thinks, what he wants, what he believes. Anything that helps you get in touch with what's going on in your mind is a helpful movement into the final recognition of who you are, which can only be discovered in your mind. So that's like, this is like showing us the steps along the way. It doesn't come all at once, but it comes in stages. Yeah, it was beautiful precision there, wasn't it, from the, the driver, just asking very direct questions. He wasn't mucking around. There was no people-pleasing from him. He was being very, very clear and 
and Joe had to, had to get past the wishy-washiness of the mind and really just uncover everything, just to become very, very clear. It mightn't seem very significant, clothes, but it was just like getting very, very clear and just helping him getting very precise. So yeah. I just really like yeah. that. Yeah. And the doctor, when the doctor said you have six months to live, that's just no different than somebody telling you your body's going to die at a period of time. And then the doctor said, you're in perfect health, uh, you're perfectly healthy, you have no problems whatsoever. And so basically that's freeing. And right away he said, I, I don't. You know, he was like surprised. That jolted him out of this idea of looking at the symptoms and feeling so bad. And now he's got this band of time that's wide open to use in another way. And immediately he goes and he quits his job. Because why? He's not, he's not going to use it the way that he's used his time before. He's going to have to have a new use of time. And then what's so beautiful is when this guy shows up at his door and says, you're a hero, and I need you, and I have a purpose for you. He's just sitting there playing his ukulele. And then he throws out all those credit cards on the table. That's what God will do. That's what the Holy Spirit does with you. When you free yourself up from the timeline and thinking in such tiny ways, that all those credit cards spread out on the table is really the Holy Spirit saying, I will take care of you if you serve a new purpose. And this purpose is obviously loosening from the past and waking up to your true reality. And all those credit cards are there like, it's all expenses paid. Then that's the way it's went for me in my life. When I let go of career, when I let go of all this future goals and future thinking, when I let go of trying to pursue all those other things on the timeline, then it's as if everything that I seem to need to perform my function was given me so freely and so easily. It's like magic. It's like, it's like <laughs> getting a, a row of gold credit cards uh, because it came that easy. And if I needed a place to stay, there was a place to stay. But I have to say for myself, when I really gave it over in this dramatic kind of fashion like uh, Joe was doing, that I was more than provided for. I was provided for with all the bells and whistles just to convince me that serving God was actually the most important thing I could be doing. So I had all kinds of perks and things that came flying at me. They were all in my awareness was part of the turn of giving myself over to God. And and I know if we went around, you know, we we could talk about that. There are you have a lot of signs and symbols along the way that convince you that you're going in the right direction. So Joe is very willing. Look at him. He's riding in the back of a limo and he's just going with it. He's taking this trip. Yes, he's supposed to jump off into a volcano. But in his mind, he's going to die anyway. Think of it for yourself. The body's going to disappear after a period of time anyway. So why not use it and for the best, highest possible goal that you could instead of trying to pursue a bunch of worldly things that are always shaky and iffy? Why not give it over to the Holy Spirit to use for this band of time 
between birth and death and then really enjoy all of the the fruits of the spirit being showered upon you during this time just because you're giving it over you're giving your life over to a higher purpose and i don't think joe he doesn't even know what it's all about none of us do i've been invited on trips like that and people say come and I invite you and and magically stay at my house and they offer you food, they take you out, they offer you all these kind of things and you're just going along enjoying the company, enjoying the companionship, enjoying the sharing and extending and and then that sure convinced me like, well, this is this is pretty good. I think uh whatever direction this is going in, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a try. And that's what Joe's doing at this point. He's just feeling like he's got nothing to lose. And what a great state of mind you're in when you feel like you've got nothing to lose. It's only the fear that holds you back and keeps you in a tiny box when really none of us have nothing to lose and everything to gain in in awareness. It's it's amazing. Here we go. Follow Joe. So we have Meg Ryan showing up twice and the first time he does an expression session with her and he said I I'm I'm going to die and she she backs off this time it's the Meg Ryan character saying do you ever think of killing yourself and he offers that he's offering help to her he's listening he's expressing and really you can see that he's really discovered in this sorting out that it's all about facing your fears he's he what is it he says to her that you're afraid to do and he's basically encouraging her she says what it is and then he says you already know what it is and then she's like i can't do that but to me you can see the progression very quickly where he's starting to come into his purpose and he realizes that it is facing his fears and he knows he's moving he's on a journey to to face his fears now and this is a huge advancement instead of trying to achieve accomplish accumulate reach some kind of a, a worldly goal to just come to the realization that it's all about facing your fears not running away from them not distracting away from them not medicating away from them or or trying to run in the other direction but actually to face whatever your thoughts are and your beliefs head on that is the way towards happiness and he even tells her i don't know you i'm troubled but i'm just here now because i'm trying to make the best of it the best use of time he's he's reached a point of facing his fears and calling that being there just connecting and communicating and opening up and having these expression sessions he's calling that the best use of time you can see he's on a skyrocket of spiritual awakening from that dark dismal dead end job that he had now he's like rocketing through the spiritual journey because he's so open minded even with the the limo driver you know you see how receptive he was to work with him and collaborate and take his suggestions he wasn't there trying to 
debate or make a point. He was simply following and flowing with the suggestions. And that's how it goes on the spiritual journey. As soon as you turn to spirit, as soon as you say, I deserve eternal happiness, I deserve so much more than I thought I deserved with this world, then you open the, your mind and you open the prayer of your heart and then you have to accept the things that come your way. And they will come pretty rapidly. You will start to have things coming into your awareness very rapidly and you just have to just say yes and yes and yes and yes when those invitations, when those openings come. Be so willing to flow with it. Just say, all right God, you're in charge. You just keep bringing it on. We should have, um, Stephen, what was that prayer again? You added on to that. You had, I think there's like four parts to the prayer and this would work with Joe as well. Just share those uh, components to the prayer. Bring it okay, on. Make it obvious. Strike quickly. You've got my back and I trust you. Ah, there it is. <laughs> It's a five-part prayer. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And Joe is acting it out. You can see, after he realized that he was told he had perfect health and he, he wasn't sick, he just, he's like clicked into action with those five aspects of the prayer. And he's zooming very quickly to face all of his fears and to be free from the ego. He's just, he's on a rocket ship. So there's a line in the Course that says, the Holy Spirit will give you everything you need and will renew it for as long as you have need of it. But of course, the Holy Spirit will take away everything that you don't need. So, this is a great, you go through a storm and then you really get to look at what do you really need. That's what, that's what I've found in this journey as you, as you go through these things. It seems as if a lot of stuff peels off, but, but then you end up with a smile on your face because you actually see that you always have everything that you actually need. That you never are actually deprived of anything. So, that's a beautiful scene for that. Yeah. The whole boat that he was going on goes down. <laughs> but, the luggage, <laughs> <laughs> the airtight luggage is uh, still required for he and Patricia. So, let's see how Joe and Patricia do. They've got, they're just beginning their love story. They're just beginning their opening to their holy relationship. So, it's beautiful uh, when Things start to simplify around them. Her uh, bargain with her dad for the boat, you know, she <laughs> traded off uh, her happiness. She had all that anger and resentment because she wanted the boat and now uh, the boat is gone. So uh, you can see things clearing away as they're getting prepared to enter into their holy relationship. Nobody knows anything. This is one of the most profound sequences you'll ever see in a movie. Because faced with what seems to be to the world uh, destruction, faced with 
what seems to be the world in ending, as Joe's getting ready to go be courageous and jump in, she springs the question, marry me. Suddenly, in the middle of this whole situation, the marriage proposal comes. And what is marriage but union? And so, this is the way it goes in your life as you go through these stages of development of trust, that when you get to a precipice which seems like the fear of God, or the fear of loss of self, loss of loved ones, loss of the familiar, loss of any kind, it's actually, the world is upside down and backwards, so actually you're getting close to that point where you have to make a, a total commitment and a leap of faith beyond anything that you've ever experienced in time and space. That's what the awakening takes. And literally now they're up there on the precipice, on the edge of a volcano, they just got married, <laughs> very symbolic, they're joining together for something beyond anything they've known in separation, beyond anything that they've known in individuality, and they're right on the edge of what would seem to be death. But this is where, when you give it over to the Holy Spirit and you, they're going to do a prayer, um, they're actually coming to a point where they're coming to their point of prayer where, where he's going to get really honest and say, what are we asking for? And she's going to answer. And this is the point of the leap beyond anything that preceded the leap. And then what it is, is the turning over of perception to say, okay, I, I seem to be facing loss, I seem to be facing death, I seem to be facing obliteration, but when you give it over to the Holy Spirit, the whole world is handed back to you just for the holy relationship. Everything in perception is given back with a new purpose. And in this new purpose you'll see they immediately will have to face a lesson together. And I would call this lesson true empathy, which is a huge lesson of staying with what's real and true and not buying into any fear and any doubt. It's that part of the the stages that we just talked about where Jesus says, and now you must reach a state of mind that will take a long, long time. That's that point where you have to be willing to ask what you want in any situation, and you will find that they're at that precipice now where they have to take that leap of faith. They have to go beyond everything that their past learning has taught and everything that they think they know and you might have seen, just as we paused it, we can roll it back a second when we continue, because Meg Ryan is starting out this most prolific scene with, no one knows anything. That's from the course, the early workbook lessons. Nothing I see means anything. I do not know what anything is for. That's one of those early workbook lessons. That's how she's going to start it off on the edge of the volcano, and then from there, 
we watch where it goes. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, <laughs> away from the things of man, my love. <laughs> away from the things of man, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, the scene is so symbolic at the end, you know, where he said, well, we still are on a, a raft miles away from anything, and she says, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit. There's always going to be something with you, isn't it? Like, no matter how many times, no matter how many miracles, no matter how many experiences you have, if you always have exactly what you need, then the ego still always protests that something could be better, something could be different even though we're carried through time and time and time and time again, the, the ego always wants to proclaim there's something wrong, there's some danger, when actually there really has never been a real problem. And, and you can start to get a hint of that when you start to sink into the present moment. Wow, I've always been safe. I've always been cared for, I've always been carried through, I've always had everything I needed. It's always been here, it's very present, and the ego is just always chirping away trying to make a problem, make some kind of problem. But as you learn to trust, as you learn to just trust and, and stay in the moment and just stay with what is present right now, you can discover what safety, what security, what happiness and what joy there is. It's only this belief in a past and a future that distracts the mind from the present love, and the, the present joy. And that's like a timeless lesson all the things that Joe had to go through. All those uh, conditions where he seems to be lacking and then he seems to be rushed with love and support and abundance, back and forth and back and forth, all just to teach him this lesson of, of trust, the very lesson that we're all here to experience together. <laughs> Oh, so precious. And that's our prophecy, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> that's the prophecy for the mighty companions and beyond. And, and when, you, when you think, what does beyond mean? That means away from the things of man, away from the things of invention, away from the imaginings of the ego. That's what away from the things of man is. Yeah. And what's the reward for waking up to live a life of total amazement? <laughs> Absolute total amazement. Yeah. So to me, that. This movie and the teachings we've been talking about all day today, 
This is just a redirect for your mind of moving towards happiness, true happiness, not the happiness of ego, fake happiness where you attain something in the world. You attain a position, you attain some worldly recognition, you attain some physical possession, you attain some worldly goal and all of us have gone down that route where we have attained something in physicality and then we, it starts to fade, there's like a, a buzz with it, you know, there's a buzz that comes from getting something in the world that you think you want, but, but the buzz starts to fade pretty quickly after the attainment. It's almost like there's a peak and then it starts to drop off. And Jesus talks about this in the Course where he says, you, you may wonder uh, when you seek and you attain and you attain something and it has not satisfied you. The ego quickly comes in to point to something else in form to offer you another distraction, another goal, another empty road to try to keep on the wheel of attainment. But the funny thing with the wheel of attainment in the world is you never actually arrive. It's all a big wild goose chase. Always trying to attain, it's almost like trying to catch up with a ghost. And you keep going after the ghost over and over and over and it never satisfied you. And I think that's one thing that all of us have had in common if we look at our past is we've had many explorations to try to find fulfillment with some goal in the world or some achievement, some accomplishment. If you follow even people in athletics or all different fields, they will tell you that they had a buzz, a high, when they attained that championship or that achievement. Or even when they've been given a lifetime achievement award, there's still a drop-off afterwards because as Jesus says in the Course, all of the roadways of this world lead to death. All of them. But, if you reach a point where you decide to go beyond searching for happiness in the world and you look within, you will be carried to heights of happiness. Heights of happiness, he says. The joy of giving and extending love, the joy of being truly helpful, extending who you are, that radiant light that, that is our core, that's where the satisfaction comes in, the, the fulfillment. That's where you go to sleep at night with a smile on your face and you wake up in the morning with a smile on your face with more and more opportunities to just give and extend the love that you are. That's where the fulfillment swells up inside of you. It's not from an external pursuit or an external attainment being so thoroughly done through by the Spirit. Yeah. That's the joy. If you're going to collect anything, why not collect witnesses of happiness and joy? 
not that you possess them, but that, that they show up in your life. Seems like there was a point in my life where I just got happier and happier and happier and happier. And then people started wanting to live with me. You get so happy that people just want to hang out with you. <laughs> you know? They like the vibe. You know, it's like there's joy, there's happiness, there's pizzazz, there's a sparkle. You know, you wake up every day with a, with a sparkle in your eyes to greet the brand new day and to see what does the Spirit have in store for me today. My God, what more, what possibly can be in store for me? And that, you start to uh, enjoy that, waking up with that sparkly feel I think that's, forgiveness offers everything I want, you know, and more. And more. You, you rise with a, with a sparkle. Yeah. You know, it, he even uses the sparkle word. <laughs> he even uses this, the sparkle word in the workbook. But that, there's so much fulfillment mm. with living your life to give, living to give, living to radiate and extend, to, to share love to look for all the opportunities to share love, and then to, to just wake to do it another day and another day. You become more and more identified with that love the more you give yourself over to just extending it. So it's more of an attitude. It's like the Beatitudes. It's not like you're counting anything in form, but it's just you get into the habit of being used. That was one of the movies also that was under consideration for today was The Giver. Remember The Giver? Mm -hmm. The movie, how he hangs on to his purpose and yeah. it's a huge purpose for the whole community, the whole society, and he just keeps going at it more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Going beyond the boundaries. Beyond the boundaries. The boundaries. Beyond the limits. Mm -hmm. Beyond anything that holds you back. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun for me because our interactions with you, some of you, it's, there seem to be virtual interactions and others of you just amazingly show up off the screen. You come off the digital screen <laughs> and we get to hug you. <laughs> it's fun. Digital, digital, and then there's, oh, there you are. We get to hug you. We get to laugh with you. We laugh with you digitally, and we laugh with you in, in all ways. But there's a, a joy with that. There's a softness, there's a gentleness, there's a welcome. There's a, there's a deep connection and intimacy mm. of feeling that you're fulfilling your life's purpose. And when, when everyone comes together fulfilling your life's purpose, it's mm. like a symphony. Mm. You know, it's amazing to hear any instrument play in a, in a symphony, but when you hear them all play together, oh, sometimes it's just overwhelmingly beautiful. <laughs> you just are like, whoa, you're in a nice concert hall, like town hall, you were saying, Lisa, you're in the, in the hall, Carnegie Hall, some exquisite place like our temple. <laughs> we had a choir at our temple one time and the acoustics were just so beautiful. And then when everybody's harmonizing together, it's just exquisite. Mm. You feel the resonance. It's like you're in a prayer, you're in the middle of a prayer. <laughs> so, 
We have about 20 minutes to open it up. Jeff can watch if you want to raise your hand and if you experienced anything during this movie or you saw some insights fleshing in your mind as Joe went through his his transformations and his opening of the heart. And uh, that's what we'll use these last 20 minutes for in this session today. And then tomorrow we'll we'll bring back the panel. We'll we'll have all the panel. We'll, Suavez here, Michael, and I will bring back Francis and Lisa. Who knows? Maybe even Jason. Possibly. Possibly Jason. <laughs> we'll bring back the panel for a lively discussion of of those who've been living their lives in this dedication and devotion and what they faced and the the trials, the challenges, the the miracles, uh, the many miracles that seem to come to answer the challenges and, and draw you deeper into the light. So Jeff, what have we got there? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi, Laura. Well, the, the movie, I think it was amazing. I was, I was in, not in a very good mood because of, well, yesterday when I, when I hear the little girl talking about her experience, I think Lisa, Lisa, something like that. Oh, I, I got so, so, so mad at her and I started to hate everyone again, like who and the other ones and the aliens and the <laughs> God. <laughs> but I don't know, this movie, I really like it. When I, when I heard that it was going to be this one, I thought, oh, but it's an old movie and it's not very good, but it is good indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and but I have this this question. You were talking about isn't here, but it seems like it's kind of contradictory with the uh, be, uh, being kindness to myself. So. I don't know if you will give me a hint about this. How to first fear in order to be healed, but how to be at the same time kind to myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, most of the fear is unconscious. So human beings live their lives unaware of, they're like they're sitting on a volcano, there's, there's a lot down there, there's a lot underneath, and in order to heal, you have to expose that which was buried, that which was hidden, and so that's where the discomfort comes in life. Uh, for a lot of us, we would say, please, no discomfort, I want zero discomfort, but it's just the, the ego's discomfort that comes into awareness from time to time as we're exposing the unconscious mind. So, it's, 
it does get easier in the sense that um, when you start to draw in the mighty companions, they're there as symbols of love and support no matter what. The, you know, they're symbols of not pointing the finger, not blaming, not advising, not trying to uh, manipulate or control. Those are the reflections of more and more allowance to let let what needs to come up arise and also to to let it go. Sometimes people call it holding the space. <laughs> you need people that will hold the space, that will not join you in the error, that will not join you in the the fear, that will be there just like a mother with a child that, that holds the child while the child is going through a very difficult experience. Mm. Or even um, the parent who who gently wakes a child who's having a nightmare. You know, you have to you have to wake the child up very gently because if you start going in there when a child's kicking and screaming in the middle of a nightmare and you start putting your hands on them and everything, they may perceive you as the monster. It, even though you're you're trying to wake them, you it has to be gentle otherwise you're part of the problem. And I think that's that's where the gen true gentleness comes in when you start to have experiences of miracles and the wisdom of miracles you can be there you can hold the space for someone to move through the the darkness and the emotions without multiplying it without complicating it you know it's almost like a womb you're there to let them birth into their joyful, true, happy self. And that's the gentleness, that's, that's why it's gentle. So it can seem contradictory if you, if you don't want fear, uh, but if, if the fear is still underneath there and you have to let it up and out, then actually there can be some discomfort, um, at, mostly at the beginning, because we're so protected and defended at the beginning, it takes a while for us to build confidence and let it up. But that's part of, that's what miracles are all about, is allowing things to pass through. And, and they had to do that in the movie, they even had the big storm that, that took the whole boat out. <laughs> Talk about having the rug pulled out <laughs> from under you. You're on the ocean and your boat is gone. So that was, uh, I think, very symbolic of the, the spiritual journey. Yeah, taking the steps that the Spirit provides is always gentle, you know. Like it feels like it could be hard, you, you know, it feels hard on yourself when something's going on. You think, oh, I've got this something going on with somebody else. And yet, oftentimes the Spirit will, will make it easy for you, actually, will, will give you gentle steps to go towards them to be able to undo this projection you've got onto them, this grievance. And it's just, it's so important to listen and follow, you know. Uh, oftentimes we talk about guidance and we talk about listening and, and oftentimes people f forget or just don't do the following part and wondering what's going on. It's like the following is very important and, and there's comfort in knowing the Spirit will never give you more than what you can handle. And so, but taking this, but you've got to take the step, you know, and one step at a time, it's just one step at a time towards them. Um, in community here, we live in quite a cocoon, you know, and oftentimes 
uh, stuff can come up. I mean, the ego is going to project somewhere. And with that shared purpose, we do know that. And, uh, and there's opportunities always to go towards those ones. And it's available everywhere too. But you just need to be able to take the step. You know, if you don't do that, then it's just going to come back around again. This is the whole thing. <laughs> it's just delay, delay in time, you know. It's, it doesn't affect eternity, as Jesus says, but it's tragic, you know, to delay in time is, is tragic. So when you have these opportunities, when there is a prompt from the Spirit to go towards one that you really don't want to, just take those gentle steps. They're always going to be, you know, nothing more than you can handle, and it'll always be joyous at the other end. That's the, that's the amazing thing we find consistently. And so the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more joyous you become. And so those grievances get washed away. There's a huge purpose behind it. It's not just go towards them because Jesus told you to or David or I told you to. It's like this incredible purpose of forgiveness is happening and the healing is happening. So, yeah, take the steps. Hold the hands with the mighty companions and it's the, it's the great undoing. So. And, Laura, we love your transparency. You know, it's, for us it's a joy when someone comes to retreat and that. I hate, I hate my mother, I hate people, I hate all of you. I hate all people on the planet. Now you even tell us you hate aliens too. So now we're off, I hate other forms of life that I haven't even met. I hate them too. And, but, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's actually, that's, you're doing it. You're, you're letting it up. You know, even on here, I don't like what this woman said. I don't like this. You know, this is, this is actually, we encourage that because it's repressing it and just thinking, oh, I have terrible thoughts and if people knew how bad my thoughts were, nobody would even want to be around me. You know, that's what keeps them hidden is when you just think it. But once you actually realize that you can exp open up and expose what you're thinking and still be loved and still be helped, then you start to feel the lightness and joy of, that's actually true healing, that's that's how healing occurs. So you're doing a good example for everybody, and keep it up, keep up the good, <laughs> good exposing. <laughs> oh, we love you. Thank you, thank you, Laura. Okay, next on the list is Stephen. Go ahead, Stephen. Hey, um, it, I, I appreciate Laura's honesty, too, because I think a lot of times I, it, we, we all have that thought of F all y'all, you know, and we just don't say it, uh, but it's, it's running through us. So I, I, I appreciate that, too, and I, I catch that in, in going in my mind. And, Michael, I appreciate the, the great undoing. Um, boy, what a powerful session leading into this movie for me. And what I'm watching and what I see in this movie is The, the Hero's Adventure. It's kind of a classic um, uh, hero's adventure, Joseph Campbell type of thing. And I, I was relating it to uh, the trunks uh, struck me as far as um, he's, he's getting his costume ready because uh, he's going to go to these certain parts of the journey. And so he's trying to figure out what to wear and he's getting Jungle Man costume and all these different things of his idea of a character, I guess, he's supposed to play. And I, it made me think of my <laughs> parable with Steve of all the various costumes I've, I've worn um, there was the mountain man costume where I, 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 I had an idea of I wanted to be a mountain man kind of a guy. So I had a Jeep and I put all the ornaments on the Jeep and wore mountain man type of clothes and, and all of that and realized that, no, that was really just a costume and an emptiness there for me. And then it was the cool jazz phase where I had an infinity sports car and I had a leather jacket and a tank hat turned backwards. And it was just, that was, that was a costume I had, I had going on. And I realized that these were just, ideas and concepts of myself that 
were, were really just emptiness, and it was just part of my search for the truth of myself. And so I had to just undo all that, but to actually see it, that it was just really that, that emptiness. So I, I appreciated that and how those trunks, of how he loads all those trunks up and he gets all these trunks for the purpose, he thinks, of having all these costumes and all these clothes to go to all this big adventure. But they end up serving him in a completely different purpose as far as a platform that's just kind of supporting him in, in not a clothing kind of a way, but more of a, a that um, foundational support that we, 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 we I'm, I'm discovering for myself that when I do lean into the trust and I do push past that fear and I just say the big, bigger and bigger yes, it's that stripping away that Michael was talking about, that undoing, and, and I find I'm becoming happier for no reason. There's there's really no reason to it. It's just the, the happiness is coming through, and I can play whatever character I need to play. I can I can go to court and say magic words in court, know where to stand, or I can go over here. And David, it was just that earlier you were talking about words and how I'm learning. Um, yeah, it's it's which which thought system am I going to let those words come through, and but what what's the purpose of the words coming from me? And kind of likened it in my mind of to salt. It's like a little salt is good enhances the flavor, but too much just destroys it. And I, I see that in my life as far as how am I going to use these words and the flashes of inspiration that come through and then the, what, what really needs to be shared. But there was a ton of stuff here in this movie, a fantastic um, teaching this morning leading into this um, that leap of faith and then just all the, all the stuff going through. But I, I thought that was funny when I looked at my parable of all the different costumes I've worn. And when he she was calling him Felix, I think, or something. He had the jungle hat on, and, and finally he just, like, it's silly. It's a kind of a silly costumes that we sometimes wear, but we can have fun with it, I suppose, and play with the costumes and not, not be bothered by that. So thank you. This has been a fantastic day. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting, too, with all these skills and abilities and talents that we seem to have developed in an ego framework, and then... It all is redirected, nothing is lost, nothing was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like when these GPSs, when you're on the highway, they, you know, you, you take a, a, a wrong turn or you miss, miss a turn or whatever and it doesn't, it doesn't punish you, it doesn't condemn you, it just recalculates and gives you the next best turn that will help you go to your uh, destination with no cr- criticism, no nothing added on, like, you dummy, you just, they just don't make GPSs. They make them in all these languages, but they, they don't say, dummy, you missed your turn, you know, or there's no commentary, nothing added. So thank you for mm-hmm. sharing that, because it's that's part of repurposing, like turning everything back. I think we've got time maybe for one more, uh, we've got five minutes for one more uh, discussion here. So we'll see what Jeff's got there. We've got Mary Williams. Go ahead, Mary. What I was struck with was once Joe got over his fear of death, he said yes to everything. He danced on those suitcases out in the middle of the ocean (laughs) with his mighty companion unconscious beside him. And all these, he just embraced everything. He didn't say no to anything. And so that was so powerful for me. 
because I feel like I'm jumping off the cliff, although I've been preparing for this all of my life. Mm-hmm. I can look back, David, as you talk about all of this, and I can say, wow, now that was perfect. Oh, that guru that I worship, that was the perfect teacher for me in my life. Look at all that I learned. So now I'm selling everything. I have no idea what's next, but I'm, I am ready to jump off the cliff. I'm ready to do it. That's beautiful. We looked at each other too during that uh, that scene. It was like uh, he was just totally present. It doesn't matter what what get, seems to get served up in front of you, just to make the most of it. You know, just be fully present and allow it. I mean, what else is he going to do? He's out in the middle of the ocean. Why not dance? <laughs> just have a good time singing to the moon, just enjoying the glory of the moon, just being fully present. I just remember a, a parable uh, one time with you and Lisa with a, with a car breaking down and you're waiting for the service truck to come along and then I think some of the guys were pretty close by with some food and they come and brought some food and you had a picnic and had a great old time waiting for the service truck. It wasn't sort of, oh, damn, the, the, the car has broken down. It was like, okay, let's make the most of this moment. <laughs> this is what's available now, you know, and it's really just mm-hmm. being very present. It's always available right now. And it really is that state of mind. That's what it comes back to. It just doesn't matter about the body. It doesn't matter about the circumstance, situation, or events. It's where I am in my mind, and that's where the joy is. Yeah. Yeah, it was literally that time we, Lisa and I were coming up this thing called Sam's Wash Road, which is named after these washes of water that come racing down the canyon. It's a road slash a drainage <laughs> a chute for the water. And we were driving up in a, in a truck, right? We thought we were in like a four-wheel drive truck, but we just got stuck in the mud, uh, maybe a third of the way up. And then we sat there for hours. And the funny thing was, it seemed like we were there, like our life was the universe. And then these characters kept showing up, like we were a set. We were a theater. The truck turned into a theater. <laughs> And instead of waiting for someone to come along, the hours went by. We were sitting there laughing and having such a good time. Neighbors, people would come by with a big smile on their face, like, look at you two. You're just stuck in the mud and happy as a pig in slop. You know, you people are just sitting in a truck in the mud and you're just rejoicing. And then one neighborhood and then another person would come. And we were like on an adventure but we weren't going anywhere. We were just sitting there. He sat there for half a day, just reveling in the miracles of all the people that came. And Jason finally came up in a Polaris with, with a chain to pull us out of the mud. And he got and hooked it up and everything. And then he went to pull us out of the mud and the chain broke. And we just <laughs> laughed and laughed and stayed on for another couple hours, you know, because it was just another character coming along. But when you start to see that the whole world is just a projection and the point of everything is to be happy, it takes it away from thinking that you're like a character in the play. It was more like we were watching. We were just watching all the characters show up and having wonderful holy encounters and just sitting in the seat, the cab of this truck, absolutely reveling in the joy of life from the cab of a truck stuck in the mud. So that just it's so such a good contrast to this idea that you've got to personally make your way and make the right decisions and forge your way back to God, you know, really struggle. It's if you really get into the joy, you see just like you said Mary, you've been preparing for this your whole life mm-hmm. and now what seemed to be the big leap is not seeming 
directly associated with fear, there's more of a joy and an excitement of like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to leap into a new way of looking at the world, have a new, have new eyes, realize what this is really all about. So it's, we're right there with you. We're, <laughs> we're holding hands there on the precipice, like, oh, like Joe and his and Patricia. Patricia. <laughs> we're all up there on the ledge asking for a miracle. What do we need here? A miracle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, it's been a, such a joy to share this day with you mm -hmm. in this, this time. I can't say afternoon because it's, in Europe it's, <laughs> it's, it's nighttime, but yeah. just to share these, this beautiful adventure with you. And tomorrow, as I said, we're bringing, we'll bring back the panel. Mm. So, uh, the panel has been through all kinds of, uh, stages in relationships with, with finances, with, uh, careers with uh, all the things that seem to be big deals in the world, the panel has been through all the big deals and, and discovered that they're actually not big deals mm. at all. They just seem to be big deals when the ego was judging. How's it going to go? How will I survive? That, that's when it's a big deal. But when you are in the miracle, then nothing is really a big deal. You're just you're mm. carried. That's it, yeah. yeah. It's like a dance, you know, but a lot of us have been, okay, we make it to the dance, but we sit it out, you know, we, we're on the sidelines. You know, ever, ever seen those scenes in a movie where there's a big dance and there's all these ones that are around on the edge, <laughs> and then there's a few brave souls that, that go out there and get out on the dance floor, and wow, everybody, you know, gets drawn in and excited by the dance because there's a collaboration happening with the dance. And people love that deep down inside. They may be a bit frightened of it, like uh, like the first uh, character that Meg Ryan played, you know, uh, Dee Dee, in the movie. Dee Dee was like, what's wrong with you? Why do you take that from the boss? And, you know, and, and then when Joe came back from the doctor, and uh, he was very playful with that arm, the prosthetic arm, and, and all the things, she just, and he started saying all this, he felt her presence there, that there was a woman there, and he, all this time he never said anything. Finally he started pouring it out, and she got the biggest smile on her face, and then, you want to go out on, the, on a date, you know, you want to have dinner. You see how that just opened it up. There's the collaboration, it was all this holding back, and then once she said yes and accepted his dinner invitation, then there it goes. His mind just started to open up <laughs> so fast with one reaching out. Yeah. So <laughs> we're open to that. We, we don't know exactly how that will look, but we are very open. Yeah. That's great.